You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Thursday to you. We are going to start evaluating the Bills roster and ranking it against the other teams in the AFC East to see where they stack up. The Bills were 6-0 in the division last year. They were the clear best team. Took the crown from the Patriots. How do things shape up for this year? A lot has changed for the Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets. A lot of new quarterbacks. A new coaching staff in New York with the Jets. They had a lot of cap space for the Patriots. A lot of new players there. So let's evaluate the landscape of the AFC East and stack up the Bills against the other position groups within the division. Today, we're going to focus on the offensive side of the football. Tomorrow will be defense. So not only will this be a good exercise for us to see where the Bills stack up, it'll give us the opportunity to be reminded of what these teams look like going into the season. So let's start with quarterback. I'll rank them one, two, three, and four. We'll talk about why I have them in the order they are ranked and you know, just a little bit about the players involved. So at quarterback, the Buffalo Bills very clearly have the best quarterback situation in the division. Josh Allen as the starting quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky as the backup. That's one of the best quarterback rooms across the NFL and clearly the best in the division. Josh Allen obviously took a massive leap in year three, became one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, carried the Bills offense, was clutch, made big plays. I mean, he was special last year, played at an elite level. And the Bills did well to upgrade the backup situation where gone is Matt Barkley and here is Mitchell Trubisky. And I know that Trubisky failed as the number two pick overall for the Chicago Bears, but he's not the worst quarterback in the world. He's a perfectly reasonable backup quarterback that has some nice talent that needs more time to develop. And as the backup behind Josh Allen, I think it's a great situation. Now, two, three, and four, it wasn't that easy to stack because there's a lot of unknowns about these quarterbacks in the division. At number two, I do have the Miami Dolphins, starting quarterback Tua Tungavaloa, and he's now backed up by Jacoby Brissett. I know that Bills fans are eager to bury Tua and say that he's got a pop gun arm and he didn't look very good last year and they kept benching him late in the game, and Ryan Fitzpatrick would have to come and save the day. Yeah, I think it's fair to have some concern about Tua. I think it's fair to be lower on Tua based on what he showed on the field last year than what you perceived of him as a prospect coming into the NFL. At the same time, I don't think we really learned anything about Tua Tungavaloa last year. This guy is coming off the hip injury, in an offense that had three rookie offensive linemen and for a good portion of the season 
His top receivers were injured. Devontae Parker was in and out of the lineup. Preston Williams was out for the year early. The other guys opted out, right? Like Alan Hearns opted out. Albert Wilson opted out. There were some games that his top receivers were Jakeem Grant, Lim Bowden, and Malcolm Perry. And the running back situation was very difficult with Miles Gaskin being injured quite a bit. And Jordan Howard kind of flopping there. And just, I mean, there were a lot of injuries on that team. It's hard for me to envision any quarterback having a ton of success with that offense last year, with the personnel that they had, with the injuries that they had, much less a rookie that's coming off a hip injury. So I think it's fair to simultaneously say, yeah, Tua wasn't that impressive last year, but I'm not sure that we saw him with the ideal opportunity for him to be the best version of himself. Big year for him because... I think from a skill position perspective, they've done a lot, particularly at wide receiver. He's got the the co-offensive coordinators now. Chan Gailey is gone. The offensive line should be better. So they've really done a good job of giving Tua what he needs to succeed this year and show what he can be this year. But if you want to point to 2020 and bury Tua, I think that's very much an incomplete evaluation of what he's going to be in the NFL. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is now the starting quarterback in Washington. Jacoby Brissett, a really nice pickup to be the backup quarterback. I think that is number two in terms of quarterback situations in the division. At number three, I've got the New England Patriots. Cam Newton, the starter for however long he lasts, and then Mac Jones, the Patriots' first-round pick out of Alabama, waiting in the wings. Cam Newton obviously struggled last year throwing the football. He was really good running it. In a lot of ways, some of the best things that the Patriots did offensively was get Cam Newton involved as a runner. Now, we all watched him play. The throwing part was very much below average. A lot of accuracy issues, a lot of one-hop throws. I mean, it was ugly at times. And it's been a long time since Cam Newton has been able to sustain his arm ability throughout the course of a season. I'm sure they're going to give this offense to Cam let it go for as long as, as he can keep his head above water. But when the wheels start coming off like they always do for Cam Newton, then it'll be time for Mac Jones to come in and be the quarterback. Now, Mac Jones is not a quarterback I was very high on as a prospect. He's limited. He doesn't have a big arm. He's not very athletic. In terms of what's working in the NFL, with these young dynamic quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes, like Justin Herbert, like Josh Allen, like Deshaun Watson. I mean, Mac Jones is nothing like those quarterbacks. He has nothing in common with those quarterbacks. So while the NFL is trending in one direction, New England is like, no, nah, we're, we're good with the statuesque pocket quarterback. And they're relying on Mac Jones to come in and be an elite processor, a quick decision maker, and very accurate with the football. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. In today's NFL, you need to be able to get to that second play. You have to win outside of structure. Defenses are too good. You have to be able to extend plays and make throws on the move. Mac Jones doesn't have that. He's a below-average athlete with a below-average arm. At some point, the play design is going to fail. 
and he's going to be in the pre- in the pocket facing pressure, and he's going to have to either one avoid the pressure and extend the play, or two dial up the fastball and fit the football into a tight window. He doesn't have those types of traits. So good luck. Good luck. I mean, I think his ceiling is like a Kirk Cousins type player or an Andy Dalton type player. I want more than that, right? If like if I'm going after a quarterback in the first round, I want some traits, man. So I'm very lukewarm on Jones. I don't think he's going to be a difference maker quarterback. I think he'll be a snap taker, not a game changer. He'll keep you on schedule. But when you're looking for a little more, when you're looking for that quarterback to put the team on his back, I don't think he's going to do it. So that's the third best quarterback situation in the division. At number four, that leaves the New York Jets, who invested the number two pick in the draft in Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU, and he's backed up by James Morgan, a rookie from last year. Now, depending how these quarterbacks develop, Tua, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, this could change a lot. I don't think any of them are going to touch the level that Josh Allen's at next year. The Bills are clearly number one at quarterback. But these are very young players in Tua and Jones and Wilson that have the opportunity to define themselves as players. Zach Wilson was unbelievable for BYU in 2020. I mean, the off-script plays, the arm talent, just putting the ball in places that make your jaw drop. I mean, this guy made some killer throws. I will say, though, 2018 and 2019 were not good seasons for Zach Wilson. He did not enter 2020 as the clear-cut number one quarterback for BYU. And in the toughest game that they played last year, which was against Coastal Carolina, he struggled. I do like that he played his best football at the end of his career. He went into the NFL on a high note. But we can't pretend like there isn't bad tape on Zach Wilson's resume. And BYU had an amazing offensive line. He was all kinds of comfortable behind that wall in front of him to survey the defense and let it rip. He's got a curve ahead of him. And with James Morgan really being the only other quarterback on the roster, he's going to start from day one for this team. So it's going to be fascinating. I think there's a, a big curve, obviously, going from BYU to the New York Jets, going up against defensive minds in the division like Brian Flores and Bill Belichick and Sean McDermott, (laughs) it's going to be tough for him. But also, there's a personality component here that I'm interested in seeing how this evolves. Guys at BYU, Utah, right? A very affluent background. How is he going to adjust to the adversity that comes with being the quarterback of the New York Jets? facing the New York media, the fans there, the expectations. How's he going to fare? It's going to be interesting. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of talent. How does that turn into playmaking on Sundays? We'll see, but this quarterback landscape is very different in the division, and you got to like where the Bills sit. you got to like where the Bills sit. So I have the Bills at one, 
Dolphins at two, Patriots at three, Jets at four when it comes to quarterback rankings in the AFC East. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. For this next segment, let's focus on running back and wide receiver. The best running back situation in the AFC East I have residing with the New England Patriots. And before I really dig into this, let me say that these running back tandems and trios in the division are collectively pretty underwhelming. There's not any one standout situation here. There's not any one standout player among the AFC East running backs. But at number one, I do have the New England Patriots. Damian Harris probably going to be their lead back this year. Um, Been in the league for a couple seasons out of Alabama. Very cerebral, consistent, run to daylight, put your pads down, grind out tough yards, has a little bit of wiggle and juice, but a very consistent pro-style running back. James White at number two, who's... Very good pass catcher, as we all know. We've been watching him play for a long time. And then Sony Michelle is the, is the third back. They'll probably play all three of these guys a good bit. But that one-two of Harris and White, probably the best in the division. And when your number three is Sony Michelle, who is a really good number three, not an ideal one or two, but a good three, this right here is the best <laughs> best running back situation in the division. And number two? The Miami Dolphins, and look, this isn't a great dynamic backfield. Miles Gaskin, the lead guy. Now, I will say this about Gaskin. He was injured quite a bit last year, but when he was healthy, he averaged 97 yards from scrimmage per game. Pretty productive guy. Reasonable running back. You're not going to lose sleep over playing him. You're not going to lose sleep over playing any running back in this division. But the production last year, within the context and circumstances of that offense, I think it's pretty impressive. They brought in Malcolm Brown, formerly of the Rams, to be that number two downhill banger between the tackles. And I think their number three is probably going to be Jared Dokes, a seventh-round pick out of Cincinnati. One of my favorite day three running backs this past year. Runs angry, big physical downhill power back, good in pass pro, good hands. He's just not overly dynamic in terms of elusiveness and speed, but a really good downhill back. So, you're not going to lose sleep, like I said, but I think collectively that's a, a reasonable trio within the landscape of, uh, of this division. And number three, I do have the Buffalo Bills, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, your top three backs. You guys know those players. I don't have to break them down for you. I do think there's a good chance they could jump Miami based on the way they play this year, but Breida was a disappointment for Miami last year. 
Singletary was a disappointment for the Bills last year. And Moss, I mean, we talked to him on Monday. I thought the guy had a, had a rough rookie season. And between not having a typical rookie onboarding with, you know, rookie mini camp and OTAs and training camp and preseason and all that and having that turf toe injury right away and the challenges that that presented, then you have your middle of your offensive line is a revolving door. I mean, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm anxious to see him this year, but all three of those guys need to play better this year. Then at number four, I have the New York Jets who have a very below average running back situation. LaMichael Pirine might be their lead back, maybe. Tevin Coleman, he comes over. He's a good player. He's just never healthy. And he's he's obviously familiar with that wide zone rushing attack that they want to employ. When you think about the Jets, just realize that they want to replicate schematically a lot of what we saw in San Francisco, both on offense and defense. So Tevin Coleman, very natural player to plug into that. Then they drafted Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina. Good pass catcher, shifty, elusive back. Good player, but he's a rookie. So I have it. Patriots 1, Dolphins 2, Bills 3, Jets 4. I think the Patriots at 1 and the Jets at 4 is pretty firm. And then, look, if you want to convince me that the Bills have a better running back situation than the Dolphins, I could be convinced of that. But Miles Gaskin was the best player amongst any running back that I mentioned between the Dolphins and Bills, and so to me, that gave them the upper hand. At wide receiver, best wide receiver core in the division, the Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, and then you could keep going, right? There's still good players, Isaiah McKenzie behind them, Jake Kumaro. You guys know these players. The Bills have the best wide receiver core in the division. At number two, Miami Dolphins. I, I think they made a lot of strides here with some of the players they brought in. Obviously, Devontae Parker is back, and he's a good player. But they added Will Fuller. You guys know him from the Houston Texans. Really dynamic vertical threat. They took Jalen Waddle with their first pick in the draft, number uh, six overall. He's He was my favorite wide receiver in the draft. He's the type of guy that makes me nervous to play against. World-class speed. Dynamic ball skills, really good with the ball in his hands. If there's a guy that I think has a real chance to be that next Tyreek Hill type player, it's him, and the Dolphins got him. Then they welcome back Preston Williams from injury. Obviously, Albert Wilson's back from injury. Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry, Lynn Bowden. So Robert Foster's on that team now. They got a bunch of players there. I think the Dolphins have really remade their wide receiver core, and if everyone's healthy, I think it's one of the better, you know, certainly a top half of the NFL caliber wide receiver room. And number three, I have the New York Jets. They've also made some nice moves here to improve things. Uh, Corey Davis was signed from the Tennessee Titans in free agency to be their number one guy. Jamison Crowder is back. Denzel Mims, a rookie last year, a second-round pick. He's entering year two, a nice player. They got Elijah Moore in the second round. You guys know what I thought about Elijah Moore. Thought he's a mix between Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's going to be awesome for them. And they also made an underrated signing, picking up Keelan Cole from the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had some really big games for them. And I always kind of thought Cole would be a player that was better on his next team. Now, I don't know if the Jets are going to be the team, you know, given some of the guys ahead of him on the depth chart and having a young quarterback that are going to really maximize Cole. But I think he's a good player, especially when you're talking about their fifth wide receiver. So the Jets at number three, and obviously Corey Davis and 
you know, the promise of him being a former top five pick and some of his big flashes is going to be a big part of this Jets offense and, and Zach Wilson getting comfortable as their starting quarterback. At number five, the New England Patriots. They made some changes here, but I'm still not, you know, losing sleep over these guys. Jacoby Myers is back. They gave Nelson Aguilar a pretty big contract. He had a pretty good year for the Raiders last year, but overall a very inconsistent player throughout the course of his career. They signed Kendrick Bourne, interesting player, never been overly productive in the NFL. And then in Keel Harry, their first round pick from 2019 is still part of this mix. So uh, look, <laughs> from from NFL standards, that's one of the, the bottom 10 for sure wide receiver cores in the NFL. So at wide receiver, have the Bills at one, Dolphins at two, Jets at three, and Patriots at four. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. They're soft and easy to chew. They're covered in 100% chocolate. It's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. Built Bars are great for anyone who is health conscious, whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in delicious treat. You got to try Built Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone who is on the keto diet. I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's talk about these tight ends in the AFC East. The best situation is clearly the New England Patriots, who gave record-breaking contracts to Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry in free agency. Smith and Henry each got more guaranteed money than George Kittle, Darren Waller, or Travis Kelsey. Smith and Henry. They paid for it. And congratulations, you have the best tight end room in the AFC East and probably in the NFL. So, nice complimentary skill sets. John U. Smith, a very good F tight end, a guy that you can move around, detach him from the formation. Hunter Henry's your classic Y tight end. You play him attached to the formation. Perfect 12 personnel pairing. Good group for sure. At number two, I have the Miami Dolphins, their starting tight end, Mike Gusecki. Believe it or not, he was fourth in the NFL amongst tight ends in receiving yards. One of only four tight ends last year across the league to have more than 700 receiving yards. Good football player. Uh, the Bills have all kinds of issues uh, dealing with Mike Gusecki. He's backed up by Durham Smythe, who's a really good blocker and a sufficient receiver. They drafted Hunter Long. Fairly early in the draft this past year, they have Adam Shaheen, so they definitely have their share of tight ends. I think we'll see some more 12 personnel out of them this year, especially with that Hunter Long pick. Um, 
and relatively, I would say, above average across the NFL. I mean, this might be a, a top 10, 12 tight end situation in the NFL as well. At number three, I have the Buffalo Bills, Dawson Knox and Jacob Hollister. You guys know what I think of Dawson Knox. I think he's going to have a big year. I think the, the patience will wear off, and I'm glad the Bills have remained committed to him. Didn't go out and give up anything for Zach Ertz yet, <laughs> at least. They didn't go break the bank for Smith or Henry or, or anyone else. Jared Cook, nobody. They, they're they rolling with Dawson Knox, and I think Dawson Knox is as physically gifted a tight end as there is in the NFL. So I'm anxious to see him. I think Jacob Hollister, from a pass-catching perspective, is an upgrade to Tyler Croft and obviously Lee Smith. So I think the Bills have their best pair of pass-catching tight ends in a long time. So we'll see how they fare. We'll see how much the Bills involve their tight ends in the offense this year. Uh, but I like I like these two players. And number four, the New York Jets. Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin. Herndon was pretty good as a rookie. He's had all kinds of troubles since then. Um, I'm sure they're looking to get him on track. Obviously, if you're trying to replicate the 49ers offense, you need that George Kittle type player. I don't think that's going to be Herndon, but you know they want that type of guy. And behind him is Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft. So collectively, I would say this is a bottom five tight end situation in the NFL. All right, let's talk about some offensive line here. I have it broken up into interior offensive line and offensive tackle. At interior offensive line, the best, the New England Patriots. Their center is David Andrews, and their guard tandem is Shaq Mason and Michael Anwenu. Anwenu was unbelievable for them last year as, as a right tackle. Um, he was a rookie. He'll slide into the guard spot, and Trent Brown, who they traded for to play right tackle, will be the right tackle, and I think it'll be a seamless transition for him. Shaq Mason, obviously one of the best guards in football, and David Andrews, very consistent at center. And number two, I have the Buffalo Bills. Mitch Morse, who's the best center in the division, I think one of the better centers in the NFL. Uh, he certainly elevates this group. And then the guards next to him, Cody Ford, John Feliciano. I think we're all anxious to see Ford and Feliciano healthy and um, you know, ho- hopefully healthy for the whole season and see what type of players they can be next to Morse and obviously playing alongside some really good offensive tackles. At number three, I have the New York Jets. Connor McGovern, their center. Greg Van Roten, maybe one of their starters. Alex Lewis, Dan Feeney, they're all kind of in the mix to be the starter at right guard. And then their left guard, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, one of their first-round picks from this past year. They actually traded up to get Vera Tucker. They parted with pick 66 and 86 to move up from pick 23 to go get Vera Tucker, who's a really good football player. Um, So I don't think this is a great situation. I think Vera Tucker has a high ceiling. I think McGovern is as average as they come at center, and then you're talking about a mixed bag of guys at the other guard spot. And um, you know, I don't think any of them have a very high ceiling. And number four, I have the Miami Dolphins. I do think that this group has a chance to elevate itself by playing well this year because there's some young, talented players. Uh, their center, though, Matt Skura, I'm not overly enamored with him. I think he's a below-average starter, and he has snap issues. He, he was the center for the Ravens last year, remember? Remember all those snap issues that he had against the Bills? This guy's now the starting center for the Miami Dolphins. I think he's very upgradable. Now, their guard situation is probably going to be Solomon Kindly and Robert Hunt, a couple of players they drafted in 
2020, got some experience playing last year. I, I think they have a high ceiling at guard. I think they could be above average guards, but they're still young players that are finding their way. So while Miami is at four, I do think that they have the opportunity uh, to climb this list and, and certainly jump the Jets to be at three here. But, you know, I'm underwhelmed with Skura. I think McGovern's a better player. And I think Vera Tucker's a better option than either Hunt or Kinley. So that's why I have the Jets above the Dolphins. But if the Dolphins players kind of come into their own in Hunt and Kindly, you know, I think they could jump the Jets. So at interior offensive line, it's Patriots one, Bills two, Jets three, Dolphins four. At offensive tackle, our last position group to discuss. And number one, the Buffalo Bills, Deion Dawkins, Darrell Williams. That's the best tackle pair in the in the division. Dawkins, one of the better left tackles in the game. Daryl Williams might have been better than Dawkins last year at right tackle. Uh, you got to feel really good about those two players and them being locked up for at least the next three seasons together. At number two, I have the New England Patriots who have Isaiah Wynn as their left tackle and Trent Brown as their right tackle. Uh, I don't think either Wynn or Brown as players are better than Dawkins or Williams, but collectively they're a pretty good pair. Uh, Trent Brown obviously coming back from the Raiders. He was originally with the Patriots. In, well, he's originally with the 49ers. Then he went to the Patriots, played really well, goes and signs a big deal with the Raiders, and now is back with New England. And uh, he's played good ball for them. I think he'll be uh, a really good player at right tackle for them. And Isaiah Wynn, whenever he's healthy, he's a really good left tackle. But you know he's had his injury issues. And um, if he can stay healthy, they certainly have a really good pair of offensive tackles. At number three, I have the New York Jets. Mikai Becton, their first-round pick. Uh, from 2020 at left tackle, he's a stud. And then George Fant, who's below average, highly paid, um, but you know he's kind of their guy at right tackle. Maybe he'll get some competition from Chuma Idoga for a starting position. But you know Becton is certainly an exciting player, and and he's the redeeming quality here in this tackle situation. Then at number four, I have the Miami Dolphins. Austin Jackson, one of their three first round picks from 2020, he's their left tackle. And then at right tackle, it'll be either DJ Fluker, who they signed in free agency, or Liam Eichenberg, a player they drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame. Uh, I certainly think that that pair, just like we talked about with the guards, you know, young players, Eichenberg, you know, if he starts, he's a rookie. Jackson, a second-year player. There's there's room for them to develop and get better and be better than the fourth pair in this division. But entering the season, based on – what I saw from Jackson last year and Eichenberg being an unknown and Fluker being, you know, a, a very average type player in the NFL, I think it's fair to put them at number four. Um, obviously, with the caveat being that they can grow and, and get better because they're all young players. But when I compare them to the Jets, Mikai Becton is the best thing going amongst any of the players that I mentioned. So they get the nod at number three. So at offensive tackle, I have the Bills at one, the Patriots at two, the Jets at three, and the Dolphins at four when it comes to offensive tackles. So as we close our discussion ranking the Bills amongst the other teams in the division, offensively, at each position group, the Bills are not the best at every position, but they are the best at every position where it matters the most. And again, we're talking offense today, but the Bills are clearly, and I mean clearly, the best quarterback situation in the division. They're number one at wide receiver, and they're number one at offensive tackle. If you could pick which 
categories you want to be number one in, it's those three spots. Those are the premium positions. Quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle when it comes to offense. I have them third at running back, but I think there's a case to be made that they could jump the Dolphins. I have them third at tight end. Now, if Dawson Knox takes a major jump this year, they can climb, but, I mean, the Dolphins and Patriots have really good things going at tight end. At interior offensive line, I mean, if Feliciano and Ford come into their own, they can challenge the Patriots. So, collectively, you have to like where the Bills stack up. If you average it out, there's five position groups that we covered. Excuse me, six position groups that we covered. The Bills' average rank was 1.8. The Patriots' average rank was 2. The Dolphins' average rank was 2.6. And the Jets' average rank was 3.5. And And there's no weighted components to that. There's no extra points handed out to the Bills because they have the best quarterback or wide receivers or offensive tackles. That's just all those numbers divided by 6. But if you do weight it for positional value, the Bills far and away have the best offense in the division. Hope you enjoyed this. We're going to do the defensive side of the football tomorrow. The exact same concept, but we're going to talk edge defenders, interior defensive line, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, and we'll do special teams as well and coaches at some point. So you have that to look forward to tomorrow. Don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.